you know, we are in the midst of, of I think, a generational shift that's happening right now around all things data. Um, you know, the you know, the data and analytics have now become the frontier for competition, which is, I think, different than where it was, you know, 20 to 25 years ago. Hello and welcome to Data Masters. I'm Anthony Dayton. Today we're joined by Adam Wilson, CEO of TriFactor. Adam has more than 20 years of experience in leadership roles focused on data integration and analytics. Since Adam joined Trifacta in 2014, Trifacta has become the global leader in data wrangling, serving thousands of customers worldwide with data transformation solutions. Adam has an impressive history leading successful and innovative technology companies. Prior to Trifacta, Adam was co-founder and chief operating officer at Zimba. Adam and his co-founder sold Zimba to Informatica, where he continued to play several influential roles, including VP of products, SVP of product management and marketing, and SVP general manager of the application information lifecycle management business unit. Adam holds an MBA from the Kellogg School of Management and a Bachelor of Science in Engineering from Northwestern University, where I also happen to be one of his classmates. Adam, great to talk to you again. Thrilled to have you on the podcast. Hey, thanks, Anthony. It's great. It's great to be here, and it's great to uh, reconnect after all these years. Exactly. Let's go Northwestern. So maybe we could start uh, with a bit about your background and how you found your way into a career in data and data management. Uh, you know, you've clearly been a major sort of force in the industry. Uh, both at startups, at major companies like Informatica, and now again uh, at Trifacta, uh, where you you lead the ship. So how did that come to pass? Yeah, I mean, some of it is, uh, you know, luck and timing, I guess, are the big movers and shakers in the universe. And uh, um, I'll actually take us back to campus for a minute. Um, you know, I, I describe this as the 30 seconds that changes your life forever. Uh, I was uh, sitting uh, on campus doing an interview, uh, first round screener interview with Anderson Consulting, ex uh, now Accenture. Um, and there was a form to fill out back when you used to fill out forms uh, by hand. And at the very bottom of the form, the very last question was, where do you want to live? And I just wrote San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, not not a stack rank, just three cool towns. I had no idea if they were going to offer me a job. I had no idea if I even wanted to work. Uh, doing consulting. Uh, and next thing you know, four rounds of interviews later, I get a phone call and they said, hey, we're sending you to San Francisco. And I said, why? They said, you're headquartered here in Chicago. Why would you send me to San Francisco? I said, well, on the form that you filled out, you said San Francisco was your first choice. <laughs> I was from Illinois and they were headquartered there. And I just figured I'd, you know, if I decided to work here, I'd, I'd work in Chicago. And uh, uh, next thing I know, I'm on a plane to San Francisco and they offered me a job and I moved to California. And uh, and that was the beginning of, you know, a, a very much a love affair with uh, tech and, and Silicon Valley and um, was really my entree into working with a lot of companies at the time, you know, it seems crazy to, to think about it, but we were going into, you know, really large financial services, healthcare and insurance companies and explaining to them that the internet was going to be a huge deal and they should probably have web pages. Um, and, uh, and so in building out all that infrastructure, uh, for them, I, one of my first projects was, uh, taking the, uh, 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 kind of the, the patient handbook 
um, for Kaiser and making sure that it was available um, uh, on their website, um, which we were also building out. So it's amazing how, how far things have come. But um, I did that for a brief period of time and uh, for you know about a year and a half or so. And then I got the itch because I felt like, you know, there's I'm recommending all these amazing companies and all this amazing technology. And, you know, maybe I should actually, you know, try my hand at, you know, creating one of these companies. And so I, I got together with uh, a couple of co-founders and, and we decided to uh, to start a company um, called Zimba. Um, and, uh, you know, this was a, a little bit of, you know, y y sometimes uh, uh, you, you purposefully get in over your head and you sort of figure it out as you go. And, and you know, at that point, being a couple years out of, out of school, it just felt like the time to roll the dice and and go have an adventure. And uh, so we started the company and uh, the, the first idea, which didn't work out, kind of failed miserably, was uh, was we were going to do connected address books. And so we were we were thinking as consultants, we spend all this time bombing around to projects and uh, first thing you do is you have to share information with your other consultants because a lot of times the virtual teams come together you don't even know who you're working with and you also have to you know uh, get in touch with your client and understand all the people on their teams and we're like this is crazy that we spend all our time managing other people's information shouldn't they manage it and we should get updates and we were thinking it'd be really cool if this could get delivered to palm pilots and uh, windows ce devices and and all these mobile uh, technologies that were uh, at the fore and um, so we built a, a technology to do this and we couldn't figure out a business model behind it though because at that point everything was sort of ad driven everything was very consumer and it was all about eyeballs and uh, uh, so at some point we decided that wasn't going to work and we wanted to um, think about you know doing something that was more b2b uh, and that's when we thought well we could take this mobilization technology and this idea of delivering updates to different devices and maybe we could do that with analytic data um, maybe we could actually, you know, provide almost mobile dashboards that are form factor specific for this kind of Cambrian explosion of devices. And, um, and so we did that. And actually, that's what caught Informatica's eye, because at the time they were trying to vertically integrate the BI and the data warehousing stack. And they thought, hey, this could be sort of a front end analytic delivery infrastructure that we could use to deliver analytic data across, you know, different devices as well as web interfaces. Um, and so, uh, so we sold the company to uh, Informatica in August of 2000, and then the huge market crash, you know, happened, you know, about five months later. And uh, so, uh, you know, in, in retrospect, there was no alternative other than to sell at that moment. But we didn't know it. We we debated it furiously. Uh, Timing is everything. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, um, and so I figured I'd go work there for a year or so. And 13 years later, I was still there. And uh, I saw Informatica go from IPO to a billion dollars in revenue, um, which was an amazing adventure. Um, you know, as certainly as a as an enterprise software company, getting to that billion dollar mark is a um, is a tough thing to do. There are very few that ever get there, and it was fun to be really part of the company building. And then, and then really uh, Trifacta became uh, a chance to jump out and be part of what's new and what's next in the space, you know? So thinking about with all the, you know, years of experience and in, in, in data and data integration and data transformation and cleansing, like, you know, if you could rethink this from the ground up with a new set of technologies, thinking a lot about how this is gonna democratize um, you know, wouldn't wouldn't it be great, you know, to go out and and uh, you know apply a lot of those you know, hard lessons learned? And so, that's really what led me to Trifacta. So, I mean, there's a theme 
here that I hear, which, you know, so early in the career, uh, it's really about web and internet and content technologies. Uh, it shifts to mobile uh, as a proud owner of a Palm Pilot, any, many versions of a Palm Pilot myself uh, can certainly attest to, to that transformative technology. Um, and then to data, uh, it, it feels like we are sitting today at another one of these transition points, uh, really around uh, the cloud. Uh, the cloud is pushing and changing the data industry. Uh, you know, the idea of data storage costs being you know, effectively zero, compute being not free, but certainly infinitely available, easy to access. Uh, you know, these are sort of um, core assumptions that have changed significantly recently. Uh, and yet uh, the, the core problem that a lot of uh, customers face, which is their data is a disaster. They just can't make heads or tails of it. Still feels like uh, still still a kind of a, a core problem. Uh, so so maybe you know do you agree? And and also you know why why is it that you know we've figured out how to push mobile applications out, how to update web pages. We've got all that nailed. The data is still a, a disaster. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And it's, you know, I, you know, we are in the midst of, of, I think, a generational shift that's happening right now around all things data. Um, you know, the, the, you know, the data and analytics have now become the frontier for competition, which is, I think, different than where it was, you know, 20 to 25 years ago, where a lot of the rage was, you know, let's talk about business process automation, and let's talk about digitizing transactions. And then you saw the rise of you know, the, uh, the database world and, um, you know, and then it was very interesting because right after that, people said, well, now we got stuff inside of databases. That's, that's great. It's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's digital transformation, but people said, it's really hard to like, look at the data that's in there. And then, uh, next thing you know, you saw the rise of business intelligence and, and reporting at some level and a whole slew of companies became public companies, um, as part of that, because they were helping people to actually look at the data and then pretty quickly, uh, once people could see the data, they're like, man, the data is a mess. <laughs> and so so then you saw the rise of the data integration, ETL, data quality markets, like kind of as the third leg of the stool. And I think we're going through that now again, um, you know, 25 years later. But obviously, as you pointed out, you know, there's some meaningful changes that are these kind of secular megatrends that are driving it. Right. So it, it is all of a sudden this, you know, infinite you know, compute, it's like gone are the days when only the big sophisticated companies could spin up the big sophisticated environments. Now anybody can do it with a click of a button. You know, the data is now not just transaction data, it's interaction and behavior data, which is much more kind of semi-structured and, and in many cases unstructured. Um, you're seeing things move from being kind of managed almost entirely centrally to now you're starting to see much more collaboration, much more self-service, much more democratization kind of creep in. Um, uh, you know, and, uh, and I think that, you know, when you, you sort of look at, at all of those trends taken together, it's no wonder that people are stepping back and they're kind of saying like, okay, now, you know, maybe it's an opportunity for me to like really reconsider, rethink some of these foundational, uh, approaches that, that I'm taking and, and maybe I can start to solve for, um, how I can go faster at stitching together data products that are going to drive decision making. And as part of that, you know, welcome uncertainty into my business or cater to long tail segments in my market better because now I can grab onto disparate data 
in new and interesting ways and get to new and interesting insights faster than the next guy. Um, and that becomes massive uh, advantage for me. So I think that that part of it is really, really exciting. Um, and, uh, and, you know, unfortunately, I think, you know, there's probably more losers than winners right now in terms of like actually realizing that, but, uh, but the potential is certainly there. Yeah, and, and, and an interesting sort of element of that is this idea of, of competitive advantage by being a first mover, taking advantage of that data that, uh, you know, as, as you call it, the long tail. Uh, and I, I feel like that's very similar to the early internet. You know, you make this point about Kaiser putting their docu documents online. You know, being a first mover, having your content available on the internet early is is a clearly a way that companies could gain competitive advantage. Although many were ham-fisted about it, and you know didn't, you know they did, you know put a brochure on the internet as a as a strategy, as opposed to really rethinking their business model in the context of the internet. And I feel like the same thing potentially is true around data. Uh, you know, as you say, just looking at the data, visualizing it's not enough, finding the, the nuggets of insight that meaningfully move your business, that's the key piece. Is that fair? Yeah, no, and I, and I think it's, you know, it's been interesting to see also how investment and innovation and skills have gravitated to where the hard problems are, right? So it's not as much about the containers that we're putting the data in now, there's lots of places, lots of specialized databases and engines for, you know, transformation and for compute. There's, again, a just an explosion of BI analytic algorithmic data science workbenches and ways to kind of make make uh, sort of deliver the data or provide the sort of last mile analysis. But really, the hardest problems, you know, in data right now are actually you know, creating the data products themselves. Like once you have nice clean rows and columns, like great, you know, there's lots of ways to, to make use of that. But getting to nice clean rows and columns is like, you know, it's incredibly challenging. And I think most organizations have woken up to the fact that, you know, if their data quality is bad, then their analytics is probably worthless. And so they really have to start thinking, you know, much more foundationally about, um, about like, how am I gonna, you know, take data of all shapes and sizes and bring it together. How am I going to standardize that that data? How am I going to do that as efficiently and as effectively as possible? And how am I going to be ready for change, right, at, at all times? And I think that's actually where you're seeing um, a lot of the kind of innovation in the market gravitate um, because it, it is the majority of the cost, the time, and the pain. Um, but it's also, I think, the area that is the most ripe for uh, for new ideas and new approaches um, that really can unlock just crazy amounts of value. Yeah, and, and oftentimes the foundation of those those innovation, those new ideas, uh, are academia, uh, meaning that there's some fundamental research uh, that that occurs that sort of creates some underpinning for uh, what 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 end up being a set of um, commercial ideas. Um, and, and that's particularly true as it relates to Trifacta uh, and uh, Tamer. And I think many listeners are probably unaware that uh, of the origin story of, of Trifacta and by its by extension, the origin story of, of Tamer, um, you know, that both came out of the same academic research at MIT. So it, it might be fun if you share uh, and your perspective and your version of that story. 
Yeah, I was gonna say I'll share I'll share what I've heard, and then you you can you can tell me what you've heard from Mike, and, and maybe the stories will resemble each other. But uh, exactly, uh, we we're, or at least we'll fact check each other a little bit. Um, but yeah, so um, so I guess for uh, for the audience, um, uh, so Mike Stonebreaker and Joe Hellerstein um, have uh, uh, known each other a long time, worked together for a long time, um, uh, you know, dating back to, you know, PhD research and um, uh, in academic circles. And, um, you know, uh, I think early on, you know, in their collaboration, um, you know, contemplated uh, going after this problem together. Um, and, and so there were a lot of uh, discussions uh, about starting a company um, that, uh, uh, that would really kind of combine the research that 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 Mike and and Joe were both doing, and and I think both of them really felt like um, there was an opportunity here um, uh, to to do something um, that would you know unlock um, you know uh, a lot of value because the, the, as I said like you know everyone talks about this often quoted statistic of you know eighty percent of the effort in any analytic project is you know uh, wrangling or preparing the data. Um, you know, the joke is obviously that the other 20% is complaining about the wrangling and comparing uh, or cleaning up the data. But um, but these guys uh, had, uh, you know, uh, approaches that they were debating. And I think, you know, for Mike, um, as I understand it, um, it was very much like, hey, we want to centralize this. The idea is that we really want to use the algorithms um, as much as possible um, to automate as much of this at scale. And one of the challenges is that it's really hard um, to do this, um, you know, on a on a one-off basis, um, uh, because just the the number of systems, the the scale and complexity of the data just necessitated uh, a more algorithmic approach um, that was more centralized. And I think you know Joe came at it a, a little bit uh, differently, but I think in a complementary way, where he said, "Well, but you know, human in the loop is really important, and context matters. And therefore, we really want to think about." Um, democratizing and we really want to think about you know how can we let the people who know the data best do this work and and so they're both scratching the same itch but like kind of coming at it from from different perspectives one you know one um, that was a little more uh, of a, a centralized algorithmic approach one which was much more like how how will this eventually you know get to a point where um, we enable the end users to get eyes on data early in a process and do the structuring, the shaping, and the cleansing on their own. So this doesn't have to become the exclusive purview of only the highly technical. And um, I think uh, what's been interesting to see is that with the passage of time, um, you know, I think uh, not only have the narratives of both companies kind of become, you know, increasingly complementary and 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 in some cases started to. Uh, embrace some of the ideas on on uh, on both sides of this, but you know we started to get used in a lot of uh, projects together um, where companies were saying, yeah, like I think that there is an opportunity to you know use technology like Tamer to do a lot of the entity resolution at scale and to create canonical models and you know kind of get get the data to a point where. Um, you know, it's coherent enough that the end users could really self-serve in a more meaningful way. And then they bring Trifacta in to do a lot of the last mile, um, you know, data wrangling to actually put the kind of finished goods together, um, leveraging the expertise of the, of the end users who, you know, are living in data, who are data-driven professionals, but not either not necessarily um, structured programmers or just would prefer to, to have a more interactive, immersive experience in creating this stuff where, 
it's metadata driven, self-documenting, reusable, and you know, shareable, um, so that everybody can get leverage from from the work that they're doing. So it's, it's been an interesting journey from you know where this uh, where this started. So I don't know. That's at least that's the story that I've heard. So I'm I think curious that's, that. I think that's very consistent with the the story that I've heard, and and I think in, in some ways it makes a ton of sense because uh, both Trifacta and Tamer are attacking the so-called dirty data problem, but mm-hmm. we're coming at the problem from opposite uh, ends of the of the continuum, and um, it's not as though it's not a small problem, right? As we pointed out, uh, you know, a few minutes ago, this is in a way the the central problem of most enterprises that their data is a design. They've got, as you say, they've got so many different tools for using, analyzing, uh, taking action from business process uh, modeling their data, and yet the data is a, a problem, and it's the it's the central problem. I, I often make the point that uh, every business, by its nature, is a is a data business, and and it, and that's true. Except that what what I don't say is that and, and most businesses have no idea. Uh, have no don't have a handle on their data so it's it's a train wreck so you know we're both sort of solving that problem um maybe stepping back a little bit from the from trifecta and and tamer for a second just thinking about the overall data landscape um and we often talk about this idea of the modern data ecosystem and um my sense is a lot of our listeners just struggle with what does that mean at a practical level? What is a modern data ecosystem, um, both from a technical perspective, like, well, you know, what tools should I use, and you know, which cloud should I run on, or should I run on the cloud at all? Is that secure? But also from a business perspective, like, what goal am I trying to solve? Uh, you know, what does it mean to empower my uh, employees with data? Do I do I just give everyone a spreadsheet? Is that sufficient, or what do I? How do I think about it? So it may, I'm sure you have a view on this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's fascinating to me that if you think about, you know, you know, in recent memory, you know, everyone keeps talking about, you know, it's important to be data driven. It's important to be data driven. And the end users kind of look back at you and say, well, that's great. But then if you tell me that, you know, I have to write a spec, I have to throw it over the wall, and then I have to wait six months for somebody to add a table to a data warehouse. Like, how how are you helping me to be re- truly data driven? And half the time, once I see the data, I'm like, look at it and I go, well, that's not really what I wanted. Or now that I actually see the data, my questions have changed. You just like you need to be able to do in clicks what what takes, you know, what takes six to nine to twelve months sometimes these days, uh, you know, to get done. And I think that. You know, for me, a lot of the, you know, the focus on modernization has been, you know, how can I take advantage of some of these new technologies and new approaches um, in order to go much faster and and in order to, you know, get to get eyes on data much, much earlier in in the process myself. And um, I think that, uh, you know, coming sort of out of that end goal around uh, around agility, um, you know, I think you start to see then a whole number of changes that are occurring that line up behind that. And so it's, uh, uh, you know, the diversity of data that you're contending with is kind of higher than ever before. The need to go fast is higher than ever before. And the need for for there not to be this impedance mismatch between the end users and the central functions that are supporting them. It's like if you've got hundreds or thousands of end users that are, again, being told to be more data driven, and then you've got like, you know, 
handful of people that are responsible for supporting them, well, guess what's going to happen, right? You're going to end up with a lot of pain and a lot of, you know, uh, angst around, like, I can't get what I want, how I want, when I want. And that just makes me super frustrated and causes everything to slow down. So I think kind of with that as sort of a, a general, you know, um, uh, problem statement or opportunity statement, um, you know, we've seen a lot of interesting examples where, you know, we were working with uh, Bank of America and they were, you know, had a quant group. It's about 236 quants, you know, split roughly equally between fixed income and equities. And there was a small team of people supporting, you know, that group, you know, and um, and that's a game where if, you, if you're a little faster, you don't just win a little more, like you win all of it for some period of time if your algorithms are seeing things you know, in the market and in the data that others are not. And they have a voracious appetite for like different cuts of data shaped and structured you know, in different ways because they're trying to create training data sets that then will, again, birth new algorithms that, um, that can give them a competitive advantage. And so you know, what was interesting is that the central group said, listen, we cannot you know, hire our way out of this problem. We don't have the budget. And, and even if we had the budget, finding the talent is tough. So what we're going to do is we're going to open up raw zones on these data lakes and let the quants go in and create their training sets and explore the data interactively on their own. And then when they get to AHA and they want to actually make multi-million dollar trading decisions, then we're going to get back involved and provide all the scaffolding that's necessary as a highly regulated financial services institution to make sure that you know, we, we understand chain of custody of the data. We understand how the training data was created, how it was transformed, like, you know, all of the things that are the show your work things that are critical for data governance. And um, and and that was like a really, to me, powerful example of when you start thinking about, you know, again, how do I embrace more data diversity? How do I embrace velocity? How do I empower, you know, end users more? Um, to create advantage like that was a really powerful example and I think that the the interesting thing was that you know uh, the central function that was running the data lake that was in the IT organization said you know what's interesting is we're giving more work to the users and they're thanking us and, and they said this is great because uh, it's frankly you know a lot of it's janitorial work I say it very affectionately as a, as a very proud data janitor but it's janitorial work with the data and we're handing it over to them, they're thanking us, and that frees them up now to think more strategically about how do I crowdsource the best stuff? How do I make sure that it's shared and reused? How do I go off and find interesting, other interesting data, alternative data, dark data, government data, third-party stuff that I could bring in, that I could expose to those, uh, those uh, individuals that might make them you know, create kind of new algorithms again? So it's like, it becomes this very virtuous cycle, and I think to me, like everybody tends to want to like, talk about like modern stack as in and modernization as in like okay so then what's the tool chain and but really it's this higher order like how are we kind of changing how we think about data how we work with data the outcomes we can expect with data um, and applying a lot of these you know principles that are more agile more you know almost in some cases devops or or kind of broad sort of engineering principles to like you know, creating these pipelines and creating um, more efficacy, you know, with everything that you're dealing with. And I think that is the really exciting stuff. And the, and the companies that get that are going to see tremendous benefit. And, um, and you're seeing some signs of that. As I said before, though, I think, unfortunately, there's a lot, a lot of companies that are, that are behind um, and a lot of companies that are still struggling even to, you know, kind of uh, make use of their data under management, let alone like all the third party data and everything else kind of out in the w wide world that they might want to grab onto.
So it feels like the one of the core ideas there is this idea of cycle time or velocity. You know, you have an MBA as well. It's one of the, the things we you study as an MBA is this idea of uh, what's the process and the cycle time. Uh, often, obviously, in the context of a manufacturing <laughs> facility, which is kind of old school, but mm -hmm. in a way, that's the same underlying idea. Uh, what's the cycle time between uh, you know data insight and meaningful change in your business, um, which would um, align to the old school idea of you know the cycle time for manufacturing something on your production line, uh, and and again, if you believe my hypothesis that every business is at its core is a data business, then the, the way to uh, competitive advantage is in cycle time. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, and, you know, to pick an example where you and I have um, had direct experience, um, you know, when we both went into GSK, the goal was to take the process for inception of a new drug to FDA approval from like roughly 10 years down to five. Now, obviously with COVID, it's even gone faster, but, but at that time that was like, the ambition was like, how do we cut it in half and how do we do that with data? And it was a lot about shrinking cycle time and, and also a lot about you know, getting higher quality data and also getting that higher quality data in the hands of the people who are understanding the efficacy of clinical trials. And so you started seeing them put um, sensors into inhalers as part of their respiratory business. And now they're looking at real world evidence, which is behavior data. So rather than asking people, hey, did you use your inhaler three times a day? Did you use two pumps each time? Did you do it at nine, noon and five? Like now they actually, can, you know, people forget or they don't, you know, they don't know that they're not using it correctly. You know, there's all this noise, you know, but now you actually can see the behavior data. And, you know, that's an example where um, you know, you know, Tamer is coming in and basically helping with a lot of the, um, uh, you know, a lot of the, the work on mastering where it's like, hey, there are canonical models for clinical trials. There's experiment data, there's assay data, there's medical record data, there's now this behavior data. Um, like, how do we put all that together? And then, you know, Trifacta comes in and we say, okay, now we want to help the scientists, not data scientists necessarily, but literally the chemists. That are actually doing the final like analysis and preparing the um, uh, the reports on on contraindications and efficacy and working with the the FDA and others like like we want to help them now go in and grab on to a lot of that and 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 do that analysis that they need to do in order to understand you know and accelerate the process and that is very much like a cycle time thing and not only is that like massive top line benefit you know because now you can get more you know, better drugs to market faster, but, but also a huge benefit to the health of the population as we're like living proof of right now. Um, and so that to me is like really exciting. And it all comes back to that fundamental, you know, concept that you were describing, which is like, you know, this is, this is a manufacturing process and cycle time does matter. It's a manufacturing of data products. And how do we go from raw materials to finished goods? And I mean, all of those uh, analogies hold. So it all comes back to the 1960s and pandemic. <laughs> it's unbelievable. The guy was yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, so I want to um, wrap up where we began. Uh, we started the conversation with your uh, career trajectory, you know, uh, uh, coming out of Northwestern into consulting, into the Valley and uh, et cetera. Um, and many of the listeners of this podcast are 
uh, maybe they're in college uh, or they've just graduated, they're early in their careers. Um, and they're, they're, they're casting an eye forward. Um, and I'm sure coming out of Northwestern, you had a, mapped out your entire career right up into this point. It was all completely mapped out, uh, much as I did, I, I assure you. Um, but, but maybe with the benefit of hindsight and, and uh, today's, uh, in your experience through to today, maybe share a little bit uh, about what listeners should be thinking about um, today and, and you know how they should be thinking about their career in data, uh, where, where you would have them invest and, and spend time. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, uh, for me, as I guess for, for many of us, you know, the, the, the journey was, um, you know, one of circumstance that, you know, presents itself that you, you just sort of lean into and, and, you know, you see where, see where it leads. And so I think you always have to, you know, be open, um, you know, open to that. And uh, I, I think that, you know, in part, it's as much about sort of picking, um, making decisions about kind of broad problems you want to be around, um, people you want to be around, industries you think are interesting, even parts of the world where you think, you know, that people inhabit that, you know, are working on kind of problems that are, uh, you know, are interesting to you, um, you know, because there isn't an, an element of like, you're, you're kind of immersing yourself in an ecosystem and, and, and that will naturally pull you in directions and will present opportunities to you. And you'll bump into things in your, in your day-to-day -day life when you, when you think about that. So sometimes I think people tend to get very prescriptive about, I want to get this job and then I want to go get this job, which is going to help me get that job. And I guess I'm, I'm a little less, um, deterministic about it. Um, I'm a little more like, well, if I put myself in the, in this orbit, um, doing these kinds of things surrounded by these kinds of people in this place, then, um, uh, you know, uh, goodness will ensue. And I don't know what that is exactly. Um, and, uh, but, but I do feel like that you're, you're kind of, you're in some sense hanging around the hoop and, and eventually you get a chance to, um, to toss in a few shots. And, and I think that, you know, that's a little bit, frankly, what led me, you know, uh, to, to Silicon Valley in San Francisco, it's a little bit what led me into startups and a little bit what led me into, you know, kind of data and analytics. Um, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, at least on the data and analytics side, there is, there's never been a better time, um, to be doing work on data and analytics. I mean, I think that, you know, when I first joined Informatica many, many years ago, um, you know, this was the plumbing, this was the stuff that, was not sexy that, you know, people were kind of like, yeah, I mean, we got to do some of that too. And, you know, it was, uh, it was, you know, all of the app integration and the transaction stuff and the database stuff. And, you know, all, all of those things that were more, um, uh, you know, business application, business process, reengineering kinds of things. That was where all the heat was at the time. And, 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 and the analytics and the data was a little bit of an afterthought. Well, that is now completely flipped. Um, and so, you know, people who have skills in data, people who, you know, are, are able to come in and, um, you know, work with, work with data, but almost more importantly, like, you know, figure out like how to be not just, you know, problem finders, but, but really, um, you know, not just problem solvers, but like really problem finders and then opportunity finders. I think that sort of blend of business acumen combined with, you know, really kind of uh, skills rooted in being able to like, you know, work with data and, and having a, a technical appreciation for, you know, how this work gets done. 
I think are, that's an amazing, you know, combination that is incredibly valuable. And you're seeing companies bend over backwards to try to find that talent and engage that talent. Um, and, uh, and I think that, uh, you know, given what you've seen with cloud, um, it's been interesting because the data sets themselves have gotten bigger, they've gotten more diverse, but also that means there's sort of more interesting problems that you can go after than ever before. Um, because there is stuff to grab onto. Um, whereas before sometimes, you know, you just couldn't find the stuff that you needed or you couldn't get it to a place where you could process it and manage and, and contend with it. And I think a lot of that is, uh, is changed and, and even more is, you know, continuing to evolve. So to me, you know, I just think, uh, uh, you know, this is, uh, because it is so foundational to everything that organizations are doing, like this is an amazing, amazing time to be, uh, to be in data. And it's, uh, uh, you know, so uh, I'm, I'm very uh, bullish, obviously, and, uh, and, and optimistic about what that holds for the future, um, but also holds for the people that are gonna create that future. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, if, if uh, if the late 80s and early 90s were the early innings of, of the internet revolution, I think we're still in the early innings of the data revolution. And, and uh, your point about uh, cloud as an enabling technology and, and being at the forefront of the intersection of business uh, and data, uh, you know, that's gonna put uh, any young person right at the, in the right place uh, uh, for their career. So, uh, hey, Adam, uh, great, uh, have you on the podcast wonderful to connect again thank you for the brilliant insights and uh and, and for your time awesome anthony thank you so much super fun uh always uh, always a pleasure and uh go cats